Grace, did you see the Cars 3 trailer? I did. I did. I'm really excited. I So, you know how I feel about Cars <laughs> in general. And I was surprised when I, re- I rewatched both of them, and I was surprised. And so now I'm really excited. <laughs> and also, it, it reminded me a lot of... What's that movie with Thor... Thor. Also known as my boyfriend. No, the the drive. I think it's called Drive. Actually, the driving movie with Thor. It's called Rush. Oh, with Rush. Chris, with it's Chris called Rush. Hemsworth. Okay. Yeah. You're talking about like the actor and not like no, the character. It's like he Thor's, is Thor at all Thor times. Driving a car. That's exactly what the movie is. That's exactly yeah. what Rush is. It's Thor driving a car. Exactly. But yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Mjolnir. Mjolnir's riding shotgun. <laughs> the car would be so fucked though. Uh, <laughs> like with the hammer in I it. mean, he puts the hammer on a Quinjet. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm really excited uh, though. It would ruin the seats. I was looking at it, I was like, why does this movie look so good? It's I think it said summer twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, it comes out I'm pretty sure next year. Yeah. Sweet. It's at least twenty seventeen, but I think Pixar is like, we know you didn't want these sequels, so we're going to make them irresistibly good. That's why Hopefully. we gave... Now we're going to make them look gorgeous. Yeah, that's why we gave you a hilariously cute baby Dory in Finding Dory, because we know Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> was the only one who wanted that sequel. Speaking of, did you see that Ellen DeGeneres got the Medal of Freedom today? Yeah, we watched yeah. that. Or Heather oh, watched it. Oh, I'm yeah. so happy. Mm-hmm. That's good. She's amazing. Awesome. Just she's fantastic. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, let's get into the shenanigan. Yeah, let's start the show. We're back. We're back. And if you're listening to this, that means you're back too, and we thank you. Welcome back to Disney Versus, the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. And as always, we have Heather in our studio. How are you doing, Heather? Doing good. (laughs) Sorry we've been away for a while. Grace has been traveling. Heather and I had a wedding. It was fun stuff. Oh my god, the cake was Kingdom Hearts, by the way. Yeah, the cake was awesome. (laughs) It was so good. Grace, you went and visited Amber, right? I visited Amber in Boston. It was awesome. Um, I was supposed to go to Nicaragua, but my trip got canceled, so that sucks. But I started playing Lego Harry Potter on PlayStation 4. Nice. I'm going to call it a win. Shout out to Amber. She did our amazing logo. She rocks. Thanks, Amber. And uh, shout out to Gina and Curtis, the newlyweds whose wedding we went to. They had the best playlist. They came out to uh, Never Knew I Needed from Princess and the Frog. I lost my shit all over the place because I love that song. And then they had a Kingdom Hearts cake, (laughs) which is amazing. Yep. Do they they subscribe to our podcast? I think so. If not, I will tell them to because we just gave them a shout out. Be sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. And check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash DisneyVersus and on Twitter at DisneyVS. Grace, you want to give us the mashups for the week? Yes. This week we have Wally versus Cars 2, 
Oliver and Company versus Sleeping Beauty, The Little Mermaid versus Lady and the Tramp, and Treasure Planet versus Tarzan. Are there any of these that you're super looking forward to? Do you have any feels? The last one for me. I think Heather's looking... <laughs> I think this is going to be Heather's worst matchup. She's not... She's avoiding this one like she avoided Frozen. <laughs> but but for different reasons. Frozen I don't like, and Treasure Planet and Tarzan I both love. Oh, so okay. it's just... it's Yeah, it's going to be like heart-wrenching. <laughs> and I okay. actually have some feels about... Wally and Cars 2. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, what? We'll get into it. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and jump right into that. Okay. Wally is about a little robot named Wally who is um, he's been abandoned on planet Earth, and his primary mission, his his purpose, is to crush garbage into little cubes. And so we meet Wally on this planet that's been abandoned, and we don't really know where everyone's gone yet. And we slowly learn that the world has treated itself so terribly that it's covered in garbage, the air quality is terrible, and plants can't grow there. Wally gets taken out into outer space after following a scout that comes to see if there's any living organisms on the planet Earth. And he finds that there's this giant space station filled with humans and they're living in space in this in this new world and everyone's gotten really fat because they don't have to exercise and <laughs> it's it's well, we'll get into it. Cars two is the sequel to Cars, obviously. It's about uh, an international mission in which Mater accidentally becomes involved as a spy and it involves him trying to help Finn McMissile stop an international plot while Lightning enters an International Grand Prix. Okay, so what was your first impression of Wally? I actually didn't see Wally in theaters. Like I I thought it was cute. I don't remember seeing it in theaters. Let me say that. I don't think I saw it in theaters. Okay. I saw the the trailer and I thought, "Oh, it's cute." I mean, it's it's okay. It's not Toy Story or it's not The Incredibles or what came out before that. It's not Monsters, Inc. So I think I waited until this came out on, I think I red boxed it and loved it. It's just a perfect little sci-fi (laughs) rom-com that so unique and it's so gorgeous and I love it now. Yeah, I've been a fan of this for a long time. Molly was originally what made me want to be a sound engineer and it's beautiful it's got a beautiful soundtrack it's a adorable story and it's original and it's a great commentary on um a depressing commentary also of of what the world could could be i've watched this through this came out when we were in high school yeah i think it came out in 2008 we would have been seniors yeah senior year so I feel like this movie and I have been through a lot. Um, so it's it's a very emotional movie for me, like way more than it sh- it should be. It obviously I have I have very emotional ties to it. I ranked this as number two, tied with A Nightmare Before Christmas. Tori ranked this as number six. Heather put this in her tier three, so it's ranked at number three right now in our overall bracket. Did I really put it at number six? Yeah, you did. Wow. I thought I put it at top five at least. 
No. One off. I could have swore I put it. I mean, it. Uh, it I knew it was I at mean, least top ten. I mean, you've got some solid ones. Yeah, you got some solid ones in in top five. I don't agree with them, but you know, we'll get That's there. That's fine. Um, <laughs> what about Toy Toy? Sorry. <laughs> What about Toy Story 2? No, that's not the right movie. Not yet. <laughs> what about Cars 2? What did you... What was your first impression? I thought it was okay. I don't remember seeing this in theaters either. I'm more sure that I saw this in theaters than Wally. I saw Cars when it came out, the first one, and was disappointed, but I think I kind of built it up in my mind. I hadn't seen it since, and I watched that last night. And I think I kind of built up the stigma against the Cars movies and was like, was dreading it. And so I watched Cars 2 and was actually pleasantly surprised. It wasn't, it wasn't the best Pixar movie, but it certainly, it's not a bad movie. Let's dig into the plot. Let's talk about the plot of WALL-E. I told Heather this. I think the first, what, 15 minutes of WALL-E? No, the first 10 minutes. Something like that. It's a perfect short film. I think it's like basically the yeah. first day you see with Wally. It's just perfect. It is, like you yeah. can turn the movie off then and be like, oh, he's so, it's so, that's the saddest short ever. Oh. And it's perfect. <laughs> I love the beginning of Wally. It's, it's really, it's really impressive because the first 20 or so minutes don't have any dialogue. Dialogue. There's, there are a couple songs. There's there's one song from a musical, and there's one ad from B and L. Yeah, and that's it for the first twenty minutes or so until we get to the space station, and it you don't notice that unless you go back and watch it or it's called to your attention. And I think that's extremely impressive storytelling. Yeah, you said the song like the song doesn't really tell you anything. No. It's just kind of, oh, intro music, zooming in, zooming in. Oh, it's Wally listening to the radio or his a recording. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he records like old mm-hmm. school. He just right? has a tape. Oh, man. I remember doing that. I love all of the side characters for Wally, especially the characters who are kind of. The robots on I the ship. I love all of the robots. Yeah. I love all the robots <laughs> on the ship that kind of have these defects. Uh, but it gives them real personality that you don't expect from robots. Wally yeah. has a very distinct personality, and it comes from him being left on a planet all alone and having a companion roach. That survives everything, by the way. Like, it survived getting run over by Wally, Twice. and then also by getting, like, lasered by Eve. That thing is a survivor. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. And the kind of defective robots provide some really great comic relief, I think. And there's some fun throwbacks to who's the character that reports the commander with the red eye. It's a throwback to 2001. Yeah, it's the autopilot. So there are some really good references to classic movies, um, which I appreciated. One of the um uh, the the robots that you're talking about that had defects, like he had the he had basically chainsaw hands. Uh-huh. And Wally frees him, and he just goes berserk on all the robots. That reminds me of uh, Animal from the Muppets, because uh-huh. like Animal, yeah. if everybody's like, "No, Animal, no!" and you know, you let Animal off the chain, he's gonna just either drum or just kill everybody. <laughs> That's what that the chainsaw hand robot reminded me of. Well, was he chainsaws, or I thought he was like a massage chair or something like that. Are you talking about the one with the boxing gloves that has his arms in cuffs? Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know if okay. it's chainsaws, but it may be just rogue massage hands. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was a massage chair or something like that, and like it just started flailing and beating the shit out of everybody. I think that's what it does. It just like be- it massages <laughs> your back by like beating it or something. But whatever. Yeah. It's I don't know. He whatever. reminds me of Animal. It was so funny. Do you think of the animation of this in particular? I thought the visuals were fantastic. I love the scenes in space. I think they did a really great job creating an atmosphere with on Earth with all of the Earth tones, but absolutely no greenery and a really subdued palette. Uh-huh. And then in space, it was just so vivid. All of the colors really popped, and and they you got this really great sense of nothingness. Mm-hmm. But it was still a like their their love dance, their love song is defined dancing in space. To fight, yeah, yeah, and and that's a a really romantic scene that takes place in this vast nothingness, and you kind of get the juxtaposition of the two is, I think, really beautiful. I agree with you completely, but I'm gonna call bullshit on his fire extinguisher lasting that long. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen no, just just no, uh, no in fire extinguisher. The particles and it it doesn't no. <laughs> I guess I will I guess we'll no. have to chalk it up to science because otherwise bullshit. I'm sure that was <laughs> taken into great consideration. Somebody probably said the same thing in the writers' room and they probably told that guy to shut up because this is a great <laughs> idea. It's gonna look great, take it. Yeah, seat. exactly. <laughs> I like the atmospheres too. There was there were basically three distinct atmospheres. There was the brown, dingy earth, the vo- the blue void in space and then there was the sleek futuristic really clean look of the axiom which is the 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 ship that everybody was on and i like the juxtaposition of those because when he blasts off you go from you go from you know earth to space for like say three minutes and then you go to the axiom and that's the easiest way to tell those are your three main settings and that's the whole Uh movie right there and it looks really great those differences were really great to look at Talk to me about the score. Apart from the, what is it? The songs from Hello Dolly, which is the musical that Wally loves, and uh, La Vie en Rose by Louis Armstrong, the rest of the score is, it's probably my favorite score. Top three. Uh, Top three Disney scores? (sighs) Top three Disney, top five, period. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's just so... It sums up everything so well. the The beginning is so orientating because the uh, the dun, 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 that whole thing, it makes you feel like you're on another world, even though you're on Earth, and you feel that way because Wally's the only person, the only thing there. So it it makes uh-huh. the whole world feel alien to you, and that music really helps me feel like I'm in another world. This is an alien world to me even though you're on Earth. Obviously, I've listened to the soundtrack a lot, but I love that even the first couple times I listened to it, it's really easy for me to pick out what's happening in the movie based on what I'm hearing. A great example is when the shuttle is coming down or when the shuttle's leaving, there's this like really, really uplifting, really intense music. You don't really know what's going to happen. It's really, you can tell while he's stressed from the music and then it just kind of releases and you're in space and it's that kind of weight is lifted off and yeah. I think that's a really impressive 
feeling to convey through music and it's like it's memorable which i appreciate it's a thomas newman score and thomas newman his scores are similar but they all perfectly capture whatever's going on like he did the score to this he did the score to series of unfortunate events he did i believe (laughs) both finding dory and finding nemo and all of those capture the mood perfectly i i love his work so let's talk about the plot of cars 2 i oh my god this plot i was pleasantly surprised you obviously have some strong feelings about it what what are your thoughts my strong feelings are not negative believe it or not okay well i was surprised too because i remember I remember seeing this movie, but I don't remember much about it, so I fell into the camp of people that shit on Cars 2 all the time. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, this is the worst Pixar movie. By far. This is bottom of the barrel. I'll I'll say it. This is the worst Pixar movie. I liked Up less than this. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, snap. The hottest of (laughs) takes. I, I was one of those people who would shit on Cars 2. And I, like I said, it's the worst one. I think, sorry, I think it's the worst one. But the worst Pixar is still better than some other animation stuff that's out there. I'm not going to name names. Minions. I'm not going to name names. Home on the Range? <laughs> <laughs> home on the Range. Think, home on the Range. Anything said from Home on the Range. Thank you, Home on the Range. Fucking Home on the Range. This is probably yeah. Pixar's best versus Pixar's worst. Let's, uh, okay. Let's, let's put a pin in that tangent and then go back to the plot. There's a lot of plot here. <laughs> yeah, so we've got... Um, forgetting his name. Mac, right? No, Mac is the big truck. Uh, Mater. No, Mater's the not Mater. It's the tow truck. Ka-chow. Lightning? Lightning. Lightning. Lightning McQueen? Gotcha. So we've got Lightning McQueen who is going to the World Grand Prix and his girlfriend, Miss Sally, tells him to take Mater with him because Mater's so excited. He's his best friend and he never gets to go. So Lightning brings Mater with him and Mater is uncultured but fun loving and appreciative and and fun he just yeah he just doesn't know better and so he makes some faux pas at the opening party and that really bugs lightning mcqueen lightning still doesn't really know how to accept mater with all of his faults and so in large part this is a story about lightning coming to terms with who mater is as a whole and not trying to change that um which i think is an important lesson and I think it's difficult to watch at times because you just want to slap lightning over the head. But Mater is... So Mater gets wrapped into this spy mission and he keeps telling the spies he's working with that he's not a spy. They just don't believe him. They think his... They think that's his cover. Clueless, they think that's his ruse. Yeah, they his think ruse. his cluelessness mm-hmm. is his ruse and, and it's not. And it kind of gets him into trouble, but he ends up saving the day anyway with the help of his friends and with the help of the mi6 basically yeah basically the cars the version of mi6 <laughs> and yeah and so that's a it's a fun storyline it's it's lighter mater's got some great comedy and he gets the girl he gets the girl this is a funny movie i laughed 
out loud several times, and mm-hmm. I really wasn't expecting to. And so maybe that's why I laughed out loud, is because I just had zero expectations for what this was supposed to be. Yeah. What did you think about the characters in this movie? I mean, it's a little bit of... I mean, it's a sequel, so you get some of the same people. You get Mater, you get Lightning, uh, and then everybody else is new. Not a pit crew. Well, yeah, th- yeah, they're in there a little bit. My favorite thing about this as a sequel was that it built the world of cars i mean we're getting cars three next year just about to say and there's more world i i really appreciate that they've taken this this is a world there aren't any humans in this world it's completely made up of cars all the spectators are cars all the landmarks are cars all the landmarks are cars Mm -hmm. i really appreciate that every aspect of this movie is not just cars in a human world it's cars personified and i think they do a really good job of of making that really interesting and kind of finding interesting ways of of tying that into this universe in this movie they introduced boats planes as part of the you know the world and some people don't know this the movie planes spun out of cars i mean it's not a pixar movie but it's from the straight <laughs> yeah. up spun out of cars. They say it somewhere in the trailer. And this this was at this was because of Cars 2. Yeah, I mean it's it's Cars. This is the boys franchise. Like the reason we keep getting more Cars movies is because John Lasseter loved Cars as a kid and he's really playing to, you know, the young boy demographic. These movies are going to keep making money because little boys are going to love Cars. It it looks like the cars look great. I mean, lightning's lightning looks new. The Fer- uh, not the Ferrari, the F one. You know, this is a very toyetic yeah. movie too. Little girls like cars too. Little girls do like cars, and I think I don't think this is a super macho cars movie. Like, <laughs> nah, right, I don't know that I would right. be more or less. I don't know that this generally appeals more or less to boys or girls. This score is done by Michael Giacchino, who did incredibles and i i gotta say i don't really remember the music like there was nothing truly outstanding to me it's another spy movie he did the incredibles and he's done mission impossible so he can do spy movies after a Uh while nothing really stood out to me i mean it was a great spy e score but there was nothing super incredible like in the incredibles I i didn't do that on purpose i swear Knee slap. Okay, so you're saying that this is Pixar's best and Pixar's worst, you think? I think so. I, I oh, it's so it's so tough. Because I think back to how much I love Monsters Inc. And this I know I ranked this as number two and I think it's definitely up there. I don't think this is Pixar's worst. It's down there. Okay, so which one of these wins? Oh, definitely Wally. Definitely Wally over Cars 2. No brainer. Yeah. Wally's plot is a lot more simplistic. Cars 2's plot is kind of. Not, I'm not going to say all over the place, but there's a lot of plot because you have Mater's, the main thing, the main spy mission, and then you have the undercurrent with Lightning trying to be. It's like they tried to make Mater the focus, but they said, hey, let's not forget about Lightning. Let's give him something to do too. But with Wally, it's a love story. Wally loves Eve, and Eve has her mission, and Wally is trying to just get Eve. That's pretty much it. And then they try to get home. Just for context, Tori ranked Cars 2 49th, and I ranked it as 63. 
having never seen it. I do agree Wally is definitely the winner of these two. I also think that Cars 2 will probably move up in my book. It'll probably be in the 40s, what's yeah. it, I think, for me. Yeah, I agree. I'd probably re-rank it higher than what I have it now. Because I, I thought it was yeah. going to be as bad as Home on the Range. I thought it was going to be I awful. Was, I was pleasantly yeah. surprised. I didn't think it was going to be quite that bad just because it has the name Pixar attached to it. But yeah. I was not expecting much from it. Yeah, I think in, in really every category, it's got a more memorable score. The characters are simple but powerful. And I think the comic relief is is excellent by non-speaking characters, which is just another impressive aspect of um, the storytelling. I think the storytelling is excellent and the animation is beautiful. And I think the animation for Cars is a little simple. The score is generic spy. So yeah, I'm pretty happy about Wally winning this one. Our next matchup is Oliver and Company versus Sleeping Beauty. So Oliver and Company is about a little kitten who, out of a whole litter of kittens, isn't picked up on the street of New York. He's left to fend for himself, and he joins up with this pack of dogs who work for this criminal named Fagin. After this group of dogs tries to scam a, uh, a limo driver, this kitty gets picked up by the girl who's in the limo, and she takes him home, and she's from a well-off family, and she names him Oliver, and the dogs try and rescue Oliver from this home, and he's really sad about it. Fagin tries to blackmail the girl into giving him money for his employer, and it all falls apart. Sleeping Beauty is based on the Grimm's fairy tale about Aurora, who is born to a king and queen, and has a curse placed on her by Maleficent, the evil evil sorceress who has a vendetta against the king and queen for some reason. And to save her, the good fairies take her away and raise her to save her from Maleficent's curse, which is on her 16th birthday, she'll prick her finger on a spinning wheel. On her 16th birthday, she's brought back to the kingdom chaos ensues and she has to deal with maleficent so grace what'd you think of oliver and company was this your first time watching it no i i actually remember really enjoying this as a kid and i had it on vhs and after re-watching it i was fairly unimpressed i i don't really know what the appeal was i mean the cat's cute but i'm i've always been a dog person yeah and none of the dogs are really I wouldn't want to take any of those dogs home. What about you? Not even Tito? No, especially not Tito. <laughs> what was All he had to do was take a bath. What do you think of Oliver I mean, and Company? <laughs> I loved Oliver and Company growing up. It was one of those VHSs that we had, and I watched it like it was new. And I didn't know it came out in, what, 85, 88? Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that uh, old. I yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. super. It's it's not even that old. It's about as it's about as old as Little Mermaid. But yeah, I like it. I I get a little bit more out of it every time I watch it because like a, a lot of the jokes, a lot of the the references go way over my head. Like I, when I was little, I didn't know it was it was an adaptation or inspired by Oliver Twist yeah. and like Dodger and Fagin and Rita. They're all people from uh, Oliver Twist. from Oliver Twist. Yeah. What did you think of Sleeping Beauty? It's okay. I thought it was super long, but that's because it's super slow. I remember thinking that too when I was younger, but I really, I don't know what, it's only an hour and 15 minutes long. And I 
don't know why I started to like it. Like, I can't tell you what that switch was. But yeah, I do remember thinking it dragged a bit. I really enjoy Sleeping Beauty. There's got some kind of storytelling holes in it. Like, why does the last fairy just say that she'll never prick her finger or that she won't fall asleep or die? (laughs) I feel like there are other ways to avoid (laughs) this catastrophe that Maleficent has bestowed upon the princess. But I think it's cute and I think I enjoy it. My biggest problem with most of Sleeping Beauty stems from the fairies. I mean, they're the reason that all of this shit goes wrong. (laughs) Be blue, be pink, be blue. And it's not even the arguing. It's, you know, all you had to do was keep her away. You could have brought her back after the next day. Right? Like, why did did you have to... You didn't even have to bring her back on her birthday. Also, if you were so careful for 16 years, why couldn't you be careful for another eight hours? Exactly. You had to use magic. I don't really care for the whole scene between the kings where they're drinking under the table. I thought the squire was hilarious. The squire? How he just keeps drinking the wine. The squire was funny. It it just, it didn't really make sense. Like, it didn't add any value to the movie. There was a little bit of exposition about the prince and the princess supposing, like, how they're supposed to get married. Uh, Aside from that. But that's in the beginning. Yeah, but, and so I, I just don't really know why that that part needs to be in there. Georgette is probably my favorite character in Oliver and Company. I think she's got the funniest lines and she's the most ridiculous character. So I, I appreciate her, but I'm just not, I'm not that big of a fan of the rest of the story. I don't know if it's just trying to cram too much into a short story and so it loses its substance, maybe. I mean, I'm a person who, when something happens, I want to know why it happens. Like, why did Dodger get so butthurt about oliver wanting to go back yeah. i mean yo dodger in that house oliver had food right i mean you what you gotta get to brother try to get some food I mean, cozy bed mm-hmm. yeah exactly but uh i like the characters i that being said i do like dodger as a character yeah. he's the cool one of the group he's got the sunglasses yeah he has sunglasses all the time for some reason well not all the time <laughs> but i noticed something with the all the dogs all the dogs are kind of uh kind of new york stereotypes Uh, dodger is like the cool hip one rita's the sassy black woman (laughs) tito's the feisty chatty latino one francis is like the yuppie theater goer (laughs) he was watching he's watching Macbeth, and i only i only know that because he says Macbeth quotes the line that's quoted in hamilton and that's the only reason why I knew it was a big bet. <laughs> that's funny. That's a, that's a good call out. <laughs> uh, Roscoe and DeSoto are mob bouncers because they work for Sykes, who's clearly a mobster yeah. because he was talking about, you know, you don't kill him first. You just put the cement shoes on him. That's mobster talk. <laughs> Georgette's, she's just a diva slash a model. Uh-huh. She also reminds me of Maisie from... Susical the musical and a little bit of Glinda from Wicked. She's kind of full of herself. Uh, I feel like she's too sassy and negative to be Glinda, maybe. I would like to nominate Maleficent for Best Villain. Not even <laughs> just of the world of animation 
quite possibly the best Disney villain. Up there against Scar, for sure. She's a badass. She, she's got this awesome cape thing and a staff with an orb and she's got magical powers and she could be a dragon and, and she has a raven and she has a raven she has all these minions i don't know why her minions are so stupid because you can't have smart minions yeah i, I guess that's, that's just that's too true. easy <laughs> too convenient they, exactly. they figure it out um yeah so i think yeah. i think she's and she's got those awesome horns i might go as maleficent for halloween next year that's a solid idea. Do it. Yeah. I agree with you on Maleficent being a great villain. It it stuck out in my mind when she showed up at the princess's, I guess, christening. They paid her so much respect, even though she's so infamous. Uh-huh. Like, the queen called her your mat not your majesty they gave her like a title of respect they were like your honor or something uh-huh. something that whenever the villain appears before the royalty yeah. the royalty is usually like not so much disrespectful but yeah, irreverent I... and the reverence they paid to maleficent was enough to leave an impression think, on me uh, i think they mentioned that she was banished does that sound right i might be completely making that up yeah i think at the beginning she like showed up at the birth of Aurora, basically, and she was being some sassy bitch and was basically like, "Pay attention to me," and they were like, "No, leave." Then she was like, "Well, fine, then." I'm no, gonna your I child. mean, I no, I mean before that, I mean before that whole scene happened. I think she was banished from the kingdom, and that's why she became yeah. um, the sassy bitch. The sassy bitch that, that came yeah. up. Uh, she refers to herself later yeah. as the mistress of all <laughs> evil. It makes me want to go back and watch the Angelina Jolie live action movie Maleficent because I don't really remember I remember there was a reason and it was because humans were awful awful to her in some way but I don't remember really how that came about yeah because Maleficent was a fairy Uh, yo her yeah in in Angelina Jolie her that in that one her and the king I'm pretty sure had a thing they had a thing because they like grew up together before he was the king before he was the king and then he was totally fine with her being yeah he was totally fine with her being a fairy until he wasn't and he cut off her wings and then he like kind of regretted it ever since sort of but was also like terrified of her because she's scary yeah I, I found it. They call her your excellence yes. when she appears. Yes. So they yeah. pay her so much respect. And you're right. Maleficent is freaking boss witch. But the reason that she she lost is because she started monologuing. <laughs> you she got me when she start, <laughs> When she starts monologuing, that's when you she has Philip in chains. And she's it's like, why don't you just kill him? No. You have to start gloating. You have to start monologuing. Boom. You're dead. You're not winning this. <laughs> it's like in a scary movie when the teens have sex. <laughs> Couldn't have kept it in your pants till they caught this guy. You had to have sex. Boom. You're going to die in like five minutes. Sorry. Thanks for playing. <laughs> what do you think? Oh my gosh. What do you think of the animation of these two movies? I've been thinking about it all day. I don't like Oliver and Company's animation. It was really gritty. There was nothing really remarkable about it. And I've, I've been trying to figure out, was it gritty on purpose? So it could be like, you know, grimy like New York is? I thought it was... Kind of. I've never been to New York. I thought it was really interesting because the uh, animation and Oliver and Company looked hand-drawn. It almost looked like color pencil drawings. 
and not in a way that yeah. animation is drawn, but in an intentionally almost sketched out way. The The lines weren't quite as clean as you would expect in some other Disney movies. I feel like they didn't put as much care into the animation because this movie came out in, I believe, 88. Little Mermaid comes out in 89, and it's the animation is much better. It's less it's less uncomfortable. Yeah. Like everybody the faces and stuff are more distinct. I mean I feel like there was just a little bit more care. More precision and technique and care put into animating one over the other. And the time difference doesn't allow for yeah. that. I think it's a good call out. What about Sleeping Beauty? I like the animation. The designs on the castle was very striking i guess i i enjoyed the look of the castle and of the court and you could tell it was uh it's still in that that style of here let's have a background that you know doesn't move yeah and then let's just put stuff on top of uh-huh. it it's that that sleeping mm-hmm. Be- not sleeping beauty it's that snow white school of thought that started all this yeah so, for context, this was created... Sleeping Beauty was made in 1959. Certainly one of the older movies on our list. Yeah, I didn't realize wow. this was that old, but I did notice that kind of still backgrounds that you were talking about. I noticed in the opening scene in particular. But also later, they do this thing where they kind of... The background is not as, not always out of focus, although sometimes it is. But the background is set in place... Figures are moving in the foreground, but then you're kind of panning around the background Mm -hmm. to create movement instead Mm -hmm. of just having the character move. It's like the camera's moving, Um, and that kind of gives the background a little more depth, I think, that couldn't be created with animation at the time in other ways. I thought that was a really interesting technique. There was a cool scene, uh, I think, when Aurora and Philip were dancing in the Uh forest, where they have the forest, it's clearly a background, and they have them walk out of, like, from behind a tree or something, into, like, a meadow or something, and it just kind of pans through the background to get closer to them. It kind of looks like a 3D effect, but, you know, it's the 50s, (laughs) it's not. And it was really cool. I think it was really cool. Awesome. What do you think about the music for both of these movies? I love the opening song from Oliver and Company. And I like the uh, Streets of uh-huh. Gold. Yeah, You know, the song where they go to work. I like that song, too. It gets used so many times. I mean, obviously it's the theme, but it it's not the best yeah. theme. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of memorable songs from Oliver and Company, but I don't think they're, they're terribly fantastic. The music from Sleeping Beauty, I think, is beautiful and very classic, and it's very classical. You, I, I noticed, I never really paid attention to, specifically to the voices in Sleeping Beauty, but Aurora's singing is, is almost operatic. It's very, she's got this, this po- really powerful, beautiful soprano voice, and... Um, it's so mellow. And Prince Philip has a has a really beautiful voice as well, and I think it's it shows care to finding really fantastic singers for those roles instead of finding maybe a popular voice or someone who's already voicing a character to sing a role. I yeah. think I think they did a really beautiful job finding um, the right voices for those roles, 
And that's not something we we just don't hear that kind of singing anymore in, in Disney movies in particular. You either get a pop star to voice your character or you get Broadway. Or you get some random actor to sing who's not necessarily a singer. The music from Sleeping Beauty is based on the ballet, like Tchaikovsky's ballet. I didn't notice that. I'm not familiar enough with the ballet, but that's a really cool... I'm not either, but uh, that's the one thing I remember is that they took the music and just kind of repurposed it. And Once Upon a Mm -hmm. Dream is is from the ballet, and they just put words to it. That's neat. Something I found funny about uh, Oliver and Company, the scene where Jenny is playing piano. Uh-huh. That is probably the best piano animation that I've seen. <laughs> so, I mean, I think of the movies that we've done so far, because I think about The Aristocats. Yes, that was awful. I was uh-huh. like, hold on. Those aren't the notes you're playing. But you watch her hands move, and it's like, oh, yep, that's the right note. That's the uh-huh. right note. Any of my piano playing friends, watch that scene and tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I liked, from what I was looking at, I thought it was really good. Okay, so where does this matchup lie for you? Which one of these is the winner? Oh, man. I was about to go off on something that we didn't even mention. What's that? She meets Philip and falls in love with him in one day. That's what they were parodying in Frozen. Yeah, I I think that's a really really nice call out to old Disney. And this is the epitome of old Disney. It's 1959. and, And that's not... I mean, that's not realistic by any standard, but I think I, I do applaud Frozen for kind of nodding to Sleeping Beauty and be like, yeah, we know that's a ridiculous standard. Ignore us. I feel like some, I don't remember, but I think somebody in, in Sleeping Beauty called it out. The fairies were trying to convince her, like, are you are you serious? You can't possibly. And then the king is like, well, have you ever met her before? And he's like, well, once upon a dream. I mean, exactly. to be fair, the other characters seem to acknowledge that this is a ridiculous thing. But nonetheless. All my notes is that I'm reading about is when Philip shows up because I have Creeper <laughs> Prince and Stranger Danger and Philip is fucking bold. <laughs> Because I think it's I think it's <laughs> when because like um, the owls take his clothes. I mean, still she's sixteen, so he's twenty two. Yeah, but come it's, on, it's not like that. It's fine. But it was funny. Uh, animals take his clothes <laughs> and start dancing with Aurora, and he just kind of cuts in. And at the end, he's like, "Who are you? What's your name?" And I'm like, "Really? You just danced <laughs> with her? Why didn't you ask first?" And gazing intently I mean, into each other's yeah. eyes. Where's your side of romance? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what would Cat think? Come on. Don't bring Cat into this. <laughs> I All I know is that that stuff wouldn't fly today. And another thing before I actually answer your question, the fathers were talking about marriage and stuff. I think they were drunk at this point. Philip's father says, why doesn't your daughter like my son? Bro, she doesn't even know that your son is your son. She loves your son, apparently, but she doesn't know that it's him. Come on. Get your, get, hey, calm keep down. your pants on. You're drunk, go home. Exactly. They were drunk. (laughs) One of them was home. This birthday party is over. (laughs) Oh, man. I I really do like the two songs that I named from Oliver and Company. Sleeping Beauty gets the nod over Oliver and Company in my book. The animation is better. Which is surprising for the time. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think it was was because Disney was in a transitional phase in animation and still in the 50s 
they were still working, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they just added little things. They tried little techniques instead of changing the formula altogether. Mm-hmm. And the, the music and the score is better in Sleeping Beauty than in Oliver and Company. And of course, Maleficent is a boss witch, even though she gets cocky <laughs> at the end. Yep. Grace, what's your pick? Yeah, my my pick is Sleeping Beauty above Oliver and Company. I'm a little surprised that you picked Sleeping Beauty. But yeah, I think it's better in plot. You're right, it has a really simple but um, satisfying story. Maleficent is boss. Um, the animation is old-fashioned, but, but it works really well for what it is. And the score is beautiful. The singing's beautiful. Sleeping Beauty wins. Our next matchup is The Little Mermaid versus Lady and the Tramp. So The Little Mermaid is about Princess Ariel, who is a mermaid, and her father is King Triton, who's king of the sea. And she's obsessed with human objects and has quite the collection. One day she goes up to the surface and sees this gentleman and is completely enamored with him and she wants to be a part of the human world and she wants to walk and sing and do all that above ground. So she sells her voice to the sea witch Ursula in order to gain her legs so she can spend a couple days on land to try and woo this prince. Ursula borrows her voice and, and tries to woo the prince so that she can win back the sea from King Triton. Lady and the Tramp is about the meeting of Lady, a cocker spaniel, and Tramp, a stray dog who has his own philosophy on life. Basically how they fall in love. So what's your first impression of these movies? Lady of the Tramp, I didn't watch until I was older. I mean, of course I knew the spaghetti scene was from Lady of the Tramp, but that's about all I knew. And I thought it was okay. I w- it wasn't one of my favorite Disney movies because, surprise, surprise, I'm not the biggest fan of these older Disney movies. Like this whole the <laughs> whole area where Lady of the Tramp comes from. But I didn't think it was bad. There were some things that I liked. Little Mermaid, I really enjoyed to an extent. I liked the music a lot. I loved Sebastian because who wouldn't love a Jamaican <laughs> crab? I like Ursula's pop culture presence now. I remember really enjoying Little Mermaid as a kid. It wasn't one of my favorites, but I, I definitely liked it. And then I didn't remember seeing Lady and the Tramp at all. I'm sure I did. But I didn't remember any details. And I was unimpressed. I did, for the first 10 minutes or so, make tons of sounds of delight at this cute little adorable dog. But then that kind of wore off. And, and I was just kind of like, eh, okay, it's a it's a fine story. What did you think about... Let's talk about the plot of Little Mermaid. I'm bothered by how weak Ariel is as a female in, in this movie. I think it's also kind of a callback to old-time Disney. Yeah. But even still, she's a a much weaker Mm -hmm. character than some of our other Disney princesses, Snow White included. That's not something I picked up on as a child as much, but it's definitely something I picked up on as an adult. I thought it was interesting. There were a lot of sexist innuendo in here, in, in this movie. I do think it's disappointing that Ursula is the villain and she is such a powerful female character. I I mean... I say disappointing about it. I really do think she's a great villain. And we were talking about Maleficent earlier. Ursula was the one that was banished from the castle. So Ursula, she used to live in the castle 
Ariel says in her song about about the human world, she says, "But they don't reprimand their daughters." And I thought that was an interesting call out. She obviously feels like she's been repressed in some way by the presence of the king as her father. And I think it's it's humorous to me that she thinks that it would be any different in the human world. I like how strong of a character Ursula is too. What I meant when I said her presence in pop culture is that Ursula gets a lot of love now because she's a full-figured character. Oh, yeah. I remember listening to a poetry slam online about how there were there have been some merchandising instances where they've slammed Ursula down. Really? Yeah. And it's an outrage because Ursula's a full-figured character and she's a great one. She's a great, regardless of her yeah. being full-figured, she's a great character anyway. And to have her you know, slimmed down, it's kind of a slap in the face to, you know, full-figured it's, women. Yeah, I definitely and think it's so. like, you know, not all female characters need to be slim. Ursula is self-aware, too, because throughout her whole song, when Ariel's like, without my voice, how am I gonna, hello, use your hips, use what You've you got. You've got your looks. Your pretty face. Yeah, I think that was an interesting juxtaposition to Ariel being a complete dutz, and it, it really called out, like, Disney has made this this really slim and beautiful feminine character that doesn't, doesn't know, how know how to use how, it. Well, not even that she doesn't know how to use it, that she doesn't have much more going on than that. And that's that's not a great role model for little girls to look up to. But then Ursula calls her out on it and tells her to use it. I'm kind of like, yeah, like that is what she's got. And that's what the world expects her to do with that. Watching it now, I kind of want to believe that Ursula is making a call out to Disney's past and just um, the view of women at that time that they're just a pretty face. But I think realistically, for what Disney was producing at that time, it's it's probably just like, no, this is what we think of, of pretty women. And that that's shameful. Do you think that's a negative call out or a positive call out? I, I don't... Hey, you're just a pretty face. Don't be. Or well, if I you're think... going to be dumb use your pretty face no well i think she's saying it ironically i think she's saying it as like this is this is all you've got and she's like trying to convince her but and she's not quite saying you're dumb but she is saying use your body and i don't think that's something that we should be telling girls to do so you know it's it's tough like it's difficult because i appreciate her the nuance of how she's delivering that message and it goes over ariel's head and it also goes over most six-year-old girl's head it sounds she sounded cynical to me oh yeah definitely even with like her facial expressions you can tell that she's like i I don't want to say jealous of ariel because she does have the the quote-unquote option or whatever to use her body and stuff because then later whenever ursula you know humanizes herself she slims herself up True. You know what I mean? I, I guess going off of what Grace is saying, it, it is kind of like in a negative sense of, well, I mean, you've got your body, so just, just use that, you know? Because then later, when I have your voice, I'm going to, I'm also going to slim up my body and I'm going to have both, so therefore yeah. I'm going to win. About her body, I was, I, I remember watching this as a kid and being confused about why the prince doesn't realize that she's evil when her hair is dark. And being so thrown off by that. But then watching it again, the prince sees Ariel for the first time looking into the sunlight. So he only really sees a shadow of her. And then he hears her voice. 
So I kind of, like, I was a little mm-hmm. more willing to give that up this time than I was last time. Because I don't think he falls in love with her it's, face so much as he her He definitely voice. falls in love with her voice, for sure. Because he's when yeah. he's looking for her later, he's not really looking for, oh, this girl looks like this. He's like, oh, that voice, I can't get it out of my head. So when he hears Ursula with Ariel's voice, he's like, oh, snap, this is the girl. What did you think of the characters in Lady and the Tramp? Lady and Tramp are fine. The others are kind of boring. There's not all that much to them. Yeah, they don't really do much. They just move the story along and don't really make an imprint on it. I mean, Aunt Sarah, fucking useless. (laughs) Aunt Sarah, the one with the... She gives crazy cat people a bad name because she lets her cats just run amok and does nothing (laughs) about it. And I mean, the cats are there for like one scene and then they're never seen again. It's, It's kind of a waste. And there's not really a villain... In Lady and the Tramp, besides the rat at the end that tries to get to the baby, I don't know Aunt Sarah. Unless you count out Sarah and the and the uh, the Siamese. The cats. pound is also kind of a an ominous presence. Let's not say a villain, but there's some negativity there. I think the pound is just exposition, yeah. because she's there for almost five minutes. This she's there long enough for a song. And then she's out. She's there long enough to find out that Tramp is a player. That's uh-huh. it. The The pound doesn't really... And it's kind of the, we don't want to go there place. That's really it. And there's not really much of a threat of going to the pound until the end. Yeah. So, Tori ranked The Little Mermaid as 28th, and I ranked it as 10th. I think this will move down for me. And then... Tori ranked Lady of the Tramp as 50th, and I ranked it as 35, and that will also go down for me. I think it'll probably end up around 50. I think, for me, both of those are going to stay the same. Because, I mean, my feelings haven't really changed about either of these. I mean, I wasn't... Obviously, I wasn't a fan of Little Mermaid to begin with. Uh I mean, sorry, I wasn't a fan of Lady of the Tramp to begin with. Nothing won me over. I take that back. I did like La La Lu the song that they sing Uh to the baby Mm -hmm. it was a good voice and a good song we mentioned animation for the little mermaid earlier being much more advanced i noticed right in the opening credits they so they're working with water and we're nowhere near the point where we can create water like finding nemo which is a completely different level of animation but they do this really interesting thing everything's kind of blurred and underwater everything's slightly skewed in the opening really right after the credits the characters kind of come into focus as you go into the scene the backgrounds are fairly out of focus throughout the movie the characters stay in focus after the opening scene but the background tends to be blurrier especially in the underwater scenes and then it clears up when you come to shore which i thought was a a nice way to separate those two worlds yeah Mm -hmm. I for I forgot that they did that, and then the animation for Lady of the Tramp, it's not bad, but it's nothing spectacular. It's you know, B level, you know, Disney animation. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're watching all of these or most of these in HD. Like we're not watching you know the old school yeah. before they remastered and cleaned everything up. So it's hard to, it's hard to kind of judge these because everything's in HD and everything looks better in HD. What about the music for these two? I like the music for for both of these just fine. I love the songs. Obviously, I like the songs more in Little Mermaid because Under the Sea is great. Kiss the Girl is great. Kiss the Girl is my jam. Oh, yeah. It's kind of of slow jam-ish. 
in the beginning, Sebastian with his deep voice. I'm like, shit. It's about to be baby making music if you look at it if you look at it the right way. <laughs> I mean that's definitely the tone they're setting. Yeah, yeah. They just wanted a kiss. They didn't want, you know, full on just just a kiss. Kiss is enough. Where I'm I'm stuck is I was listening to the music for Lady and the Tramp and it's very comical. Yeah. And it reminds me of Snow White, so I looked up who did the music and it's Oliver Wallace. Oliver Wallace is the guy. He was Alan Menken to start for Disney. He did Snow White. He did Pinocchio. He did Dumbo. He did Bambi. He did. He had a hand in most of the Disney mm-hmm. movies, the music of the Disney movies that started everything. I think he's done more Disney movies than anybody else. I think it's like him, the Sherman Brothers, then Alan Menken. Mm-hmm. I love the style of the old comical Disney movies. Yeah, the kind of chase But scenes. I love the Broadway feel. Uh-huh. Yeah, the chase scenes are great. But I love the Broadway feel that, you know, Alan Macon brought uh-huh. to everything. So I'm I'm torn with this one. I guess the score for Lady and the Tramp, I love. The songs for Little Mermaid, I love yeah. more. What are your thoughts? I was aware of the music of Lady and the Tramp as kind of background supporting sets the tone but we're not going to call attention to it and and the songs in the little mermaid are memorable and and things that we're used to singing so i for me it's the little mermaid um which is the better love story in your mind i gotta go with lady and the tramp yeah i mean the spaghetti scene are you (laughs) kidding me the spaghetti (laughs) scene is classic but for me what does it is it's iconic is it's a real partnership they are equals from two different worlds and they support each other and and help each other when they're in need and that's good role modeling i'm a simpering princess looking for my prince to take care of me for the rest of my life she's 16 <laughs> she's also a hoarder right like are we not gonna talk about well, how she's she gonna have a whole palace her, so her hoarding thing and she'll figure out that it's a four i mean is she gonna get a room <laughs> and yeah she'll still probably end up brushing her hair with a fork who knows so who wins grace little mermaid little mermaid i agree yeah why as much as it it hurts me because she is such an unimpressive female role model but the songs are are memorable it's well it is a musical the other one isn't so that's a disadvantage but but yeah it's a fairly simple story which tends to be a theme with the movies the successful the really successful Disney movies. Lady the Tramp is old-fashioned, and it's cute, but it, it doesn't draw me in like The Little Mermaid does. Yeah, I agree. Little Mermaid's plot is more whole, uh-huh. and uh, despite the love story in Lady the Tramp, their meet-cute is so, so adorable, and I can't get over the iconic spaghetti <laughs> scene. Those dogs get fed, like, actual spaghetti. They don't get the scraps. Like, they, they made that specially yeah. for them. Good job, Tony. Ursula as a villain is on par with, you know, Jafar and Scar and um, uh, Maleficent. Yeah, she's up there, for sure. Little Mermaid takes it for me. Okay, last one. Let's jump into Treasure Planet versus Tarzan. Tarzan is based on the book by Edgar Rice Burroughs about a baby who is found in the jungle and raised by a clan of gorillas. And the movie is about what happens when he meets humans for the first time. Treasure Planet is 
based on the book Treasure Island. It follows the story pretty closely. It's based in a futuristic spacefaring universe with kind of a steampunk tilt. So Jim Hawkins goes on a quest with a map to find this planet full of treasure and is hoodwinked by Long John Silver and they have to survive. What was your first impression of these two movies? Tarzan, I remember seeing with my best friend growing up. I associate this movie with him so much because every time I would go over to his house, we would watch Tarzan. He had the soundtrack, so every time we would drive in the car, we would listen to it. So those memories, I associate with him. Treasure Planet, I didn't see until I decided to watch every Disney movie. I, I like it. It's very strong and well put together. There are a lot of things that I didn't appreciate until this viewing. I like them both. I remember really enjoying Tarzan as a, as a kid and as a young adult. Phil Collins is killing it. I just watched Treasure Planet for the first time right before we started recording. And I had really high hopes because I know Heather loves it. And I really didn't like it. I really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> oh. That's yeah. Okay. Let's get into the plot of, uh, let's do Tarzan first. The plot's very, we use this, we say the plot's very simple, but it is, by simple we mean easy to follow. It's a very easy to follow plot. Tarzan, his parents get shipwrecked in the jungle. They get killed by Sabor the jaguar. Boo. Uh, Kala, who also loses a child, finds Tarzan and raises him. Alpha female. Alpha female, the wife of the clan leader. He goes through his life knowing that he's not an ape, but wanting to be just like he wants to be accepted, basically. And then, you know, one day, humans come into the jungle and Tarzan's like, what are these things they look like me what are they and then he goes through his whole his life crisis of should i go with them or should i be you know what i've always thought i was which is one of the apes or one of them like i said it's easy to follow i like it it's not too complicated i will say that it's interesting that both of these movies have a similar i'm lost i want to be found not so much i'm lost i want to be found but a similar kind of line of deceit much like atlantis if you're looking at it from the the human side in tarzan where they go on this big expedition everyone thinks they're going to do research or everyone on board has a common goal when really the villain is lying and wants to kill the apes or is lying and wants to steal all the gold for himself. I got Or you. is lying and wants to steal the power source from Atlantis. That's kind of a, a theme that we're starting to see pop up, much like the long journey theme in, that we've encountered in some other Disney movies, that this journey with a deceitful party. Yeah, I see the, I see the Atlantis overtones too. The plot for uh, Treasure Planet is really is even more simple than Tarzan because it's, you know, classic story, Treasure Island. They're, they have a map. They have an old pirate map that they find and they strike out to go find the gold. 
and Long John Silver gets in the way and tries to muck everything up. And then they find the gold, and, you know, they get away, and they end up with nothing except for, you know, a few things. And then John Silver disappears, and life is better. That's roughly the plot. What did you think of the characters in these two movies? I honestly like the characters in Treasure Planet more than the ones in Tarzan. I love Tarzan. Tarzan is a great character. He's a great main character but i was surprised in watching treasure planet for this viewing that there's jim he doesn't get that much dialogue or he doesn't have that much to say he he does have the biggest arc and i was surprised mostly by the side characters because i was telling heather the comedy in this should be too much because you have you have the doctor that's that goes with jim from start to end you have morph the little blob that more of a super cute yeah it's cute and it's part of john silver's crew originally and then you have once you get to the planet you have ben the robot who can't remember anything ben <laughs> the you have three comic relief there you have the doctor who's the neurotic ocd comic relief you have more the cute fluffy floating pet. around pet and then you have ben the chatty robot who won't shut up with all that there should be jokes and quips and stuff everywhere and and it should be too much but it's so well balanced that it makes me kind of love these guys that's an interesting call out that i hadn't considered is it does seem like there's a lot of characters contributing to comedic relief i didn't feel bombarded i'm a huge fan of emma thompson as the pilot or not as as the pilot as the captain captain of the ship um as a really strong female character and who obviously cares a lot about her crew and shows compassion and is still seen and revered as a strong and respectful figurehead i like the characters in tarzan i think they're funny i think tarzan is a really deep movie (laughs) this guy is trying to figure out who he is and there's a lot of family depth and angst involved with Kershak and and trying to take in this human as their own which he doesn't want to do at all which he doesn't want to do and and so I was surprised at going back and watching Tarzan at how really dark it is and not in the way of Hunchback of Notre Dame which is dark in its entirety but just that they're not shying away from the emotions that must come out of this really tough situation with mixed species living together. I did see some some similarities talking about humans versus apes in a kind of racial sense. They hint at it. They don't really dig too deep into it. But I think it's Tarzan's mom makes a call out like they're just like us. They're just trying to live and explore and take care of their own. And I, th- I think that was a, a nice call out, but also a kind of glossed over moment yeah it was it was pretty subtle it's when kerchak officially says he will never be my son and tarzan bolts off and he's a child and he just wants to be accepted oh yeah yeah yeah. and he says uh what do you see the what do you see scene yeah that's Kala. yeah Yeah, and then what do you feel what do you see well i see eyes i see a nose i see ears somewhere and hey look here's some hands and listen to my heart hey you have one too we're the same yeah it's pretty subtle but once like someone brings it up everyone's like oh right yeah that yeah and then he even does that to jane later and is like hey we're the same we both have a heartbeat we both have hands and she's just like what's going on and he's like this is blowing my mind yeah and then he loses <laughs> it because he's like why didn't you tell me there were other people that looked like me i see what you mean with uh hunchback too hunchback is 
thematically and tonally dark tarzan is emotionally dark and it's just like that in the in the book well no it's not like that in the book the book is complex but not for emotional reasons and tarzan lord of the apes which is the title of the book everyone is trying to figure out what manner of animal or man is is tarzan tarzan and ape means white ape the whole time everybody that tarzan encounters whether it be you know rival gorillas or rival tribes people in africa or eventually the porters who are in the book they're not english they're american in the book tarzan's parents are marooned by mutiny the mom dies in her sleep after giving birth to tarzan the dad is killed by kerchak who doesn't know that kerchak's about to kill him because he's lost the will to live because of the death of tarzan's mom tarzan's actual name is john clayton which makes him the cousin of the clayton that we know from the movie tarzan's parents are royalty and clayton the cousin takes over once the parents disappear so is clayton trying to avenge not really the death of not really avenge he's just just a selfish bastard yeah he just kind of picks up and keeps going gotcha talking about more characters turk Mm -hmm. is tarzan's arch nemesis he tries to sabotage him right yeah he tries to kill tarzan like tarzan kills everybody in the book he kills turk he kills kerchak in self-defense because kerchak was trying to kill kala so read the book everyone that's in all the i'm book gonna say there's a lot of watch the movie and read mean. the book it's a great read but it's like whoa this doesn't happen and what <laughs> what is going on yeah it's great let's talk about the animation of these two movies so tarzan was hand-drawn and treasure planet used cgi they both are technically cgi because they use what's called deep canvas it's where they use 3d environments but 2d characters Ooh, okay the spaceport and the jungle at large is mostly 3d or cgi and then the characters will be you know hand-drawn all the surfing scenes that tarzan uses that's where most of the cgi was used I do remember seeing a clip on, I think it was honestly Disney Channel, where they were talking about the technology used in Tarzan, and I very specifically remember them drawing the trees and then animating the trees, kind of it all coming together. This was one of the first ones where they mixed CGI and and hand drawing, is that correct? I believe Tarzan was the first. It's either that or Mulan, I can't remember. Yeah, I remember that too. Mulan did had technology where they multiplied the armies. They had to yeah. figure out a way to multiply the large groups of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. So what about the mu- music of these two? Both are great. Phil Collins is killing it with the songs and stuff. And the score is illustrates the jungle perfectly. And then Treasure Planet. I remember reading that James Newton Howard purposely went for a Celtic feel with Treasure Planet. And it's very unique. Because with Treasure Planet, you think of sci-fi pirates. How do you get to Celtic from there? I don't know. Uh-huh. But it works perfectly somehow. It feels very adventurous. Yes. To me. Like, I didn't even know about the Celtic theme stuff. If I listen to just that soundtrack without anything really, like, behind it, I immediately think of Treasure Island and also Treasure Planet with that soundtrack. It's just like, hey, let's go on an adventure. I didn't like the soundtrack from Treasure Planet. <laughs> I really, really didn't. I, especially the 
the actual songs. No, there was one where I, towards the end, I don't even remember what it was called, and I was just like, "This is not a good song." Hang on, this is not. Was it the singing dude or was it the instrumental stuff? It was the singing dude. It was totally the singing dude. Okay, oh, I'll yeah. give you that. The songs got, yeah, from Treasure Planet. Not there good. are there aren't many of them, but they aren't the best. They no, they are not good. And then they're put up against Phil Collins and the drumming and so good. Yeah. But you have There's to admit those horns in in Treasure Planet were on freaking point. I don't think she yeah, listened okay, to the same whatever. suite that we did. Listen to the suite uh, from well, Treasure the, Planet. It's in the movie too. It's like the credits. Okay. I did not yeah, get through the credits of Treasure Planet. I'll take the songs from Tarzan against the score from Treasure Planet. I can't choose between those two. I mean, it's the adventurous theme. I fell in love with the Tarzan songs, not the Tarzan score growing up. I fell in love with both. <laughs> we already talked about a little bit of the voice cast for Treasure Planet. Let's talk about the voice cast for Tarzan. I mean, Tony Goldwyn... I mean, he's he hasn't really been in much, but you know, you have Rosie O'Donnell, you have Glenn Close, you have Wayne Knight. I didn't even realize that was Glenn Close. I, I did recognize Rosie O'Donnell, and I think that's that was one I remember when I learned that. That's all I could picture. But watching it now, it doesn't bother me at all. I think I think she her voice is very well suited for that role, and I thought it was a great performance. Glenn Close, even though most people remember her as uh, Cruella DeVille, which will throw a lot of people off, she also plays <laughs> Homer Simpson's mother in The Simpsons. And oh, with that. that in mind, they're kind of similar. She's She has that soft, motherly aura about her. When you watch this movie and go watch that episode of The Simpsons, you can see, because it's. I think she won an Emmy for that, but it's a very beloved episode of The Simpsons. Awesome. So, which one of these wins for you? Ah, uh, you go first. If you screwed me on this, Tori. <laughs> oh my god. No. You can't have Treasure Planet and Atlantis. It's not allowed. They're the same movie. <laughs> it's not. Exactly. Tarzan wins, obviously. The plot is easy to follow. It's It's deep. It's emotional. It's got really fantastic music. I think the characters are dynamic. The animation is is beautiful, and it's also it used new technology. Treasure Planet. I mean, to be fair, I just watched Treasure Planet, so it is a complete first impression for me. But I mean, the characters are they're fine adapted for Treasure Planet. They're the Treasure Island characters, and the animation I wasn't terribly impressed with. Couldn't pay attention to the score, but the songs were awful. Go listen awful. to the score. Be fair. Go okay, listen well, to I, the score. Yeah. I will, but not before voting for Tarzan. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go listen right now. <laughs> I'm more hung up on it than you are. Yeah, I, know. I might go make queso in the meantime. <laughs> I'm not going to shock the world twice in the first round. Even though Treasure Planet surprised me the second time, I'm going to go with Tarzan. The characterizations of... Okay, we didn't talk about Treasure Planet the book because Treasure Planet the book goes much more closely to Treasure Island as its source material as Tarzan does with its. Tarzan takes some things from its book, but it doesn't take everything. And what it does take, it kind of turns on its head for what it needs the fact that you make tarzan's arch nemesis into his best friend and make you like turk even if you don't like rosie o'donnell you end up liking turk it's unique and i like it 
Um, the songs, as much as I love James Newton Howard's score, it's kind of the same as Atlantis. They're very similar. I like the songs from Tarzan, and everybody loves the songs from Tarzan. They're great for a reason. Animation, it's a stalemate. Voice cast, it's a stalemate. Young Joseph Gordon-Levitt is great. And you said it yourself, Emma Thompson is great. She is, yeah. And it really goes with what did they do with their source material. The plot and themes are a lot deeper in Tarzan. And I, not shocking you guys, I'm going to go with uh, Tarzan. So you ranked Tarzan as 14th and I ranked it as 16th. Do you think that will stay or move? No, it'll probably stay where it is. What did I rank Treasure Planet? Treasure Planet, you ranked 37th and I ranked it as 53rd because I hadn't seen it. Probably moved Treasure Planet up some. Not much, but some. I was really surprised at how how balanced and good it was and how much fun I had because it was a good adventure movie. I think Treasure Planet will probably stay roughly the same for me. I think Tarzan might move down a little bit. Because when I think of Tarzan, I don't think top 20 animated Disney movies. Heather ranked Tarzan in her tier one, and I'm sure she ranked, yeah, she ranked Treasure Planet in her tier one as well. Yeah. <laughs> I knew where this, where this one was going, but it still hurts. <laughs> That's okay. My soul. Okay. We're not going to do a loser's bracket, but... We, we might do a loser's bracket. Just make one episode out of which is the best of the losers. We don't have to do which is the worst, we know. I don't even think we need to do all of the worst bracket, but if you could do like one of the next rounds, like if you moved all of the losers to the next round and pick a particularly foul pairing or something like that. Yeah. Overall, for the whole episode, were the results what you expected? Yeah. I expected to have a little bit more inner turmoil about Oliver and Company and Sleeping Beauty, but they're so closely ranked too. Overall, they're 33 and 35. And based on that, I thought I would have a tougher time. But in thinking about the animation of Oliver and Company and the, you know, the characterization of the villains, it was a no brainer to me. Yeah. None of the winners surprised me. Many of these movies have moved down in my overall list. And then I was pleasantly surprised by Cars 2. So I, I actually am genuinely excited to see Cars 3. Oh my gosh, that trailer. I was teased. Right? I was thoroughly teased. Oh, oh dear. It looks so good. Yeah. The animation, Tori and I were talking about it. The animation for Cars 1 and Cars 2 seemed like really, really similar. And then we watched that teaser trailer and we were like, looks- that definition. Oh my God, those shadows. That dirt. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a completely different world i just hope that teaser oh is one thing and then the movie is another i hope that's not the case yeah oh yeah. my gosh they oh, i'd be so disappointed I'd, hey grace it's that time again it is that time and this is a good a good lead into drunken disney we're gonna go ahead and and pick cars really the car series okay. for drunken disney this time and it's appropriate because the rules fit for all three movies well, so rule number movies, one, because we haven't seen the third one yet, we don't even know yeah. if well, it's racing. <laughs> I'm assuming, I'm assuming these will work. Number one, drink every time there's a race. Number two, drink every time lightning says "kachow." Number three, God. drink every time Mater misunderstands something. Simple. I don't think these are quite as potent as the Finding Nemo rules, but I, th- I think these are solid. I think these are. This is a good time. Yeah. For the first Cars movie, 
I think you just have to drink for every cow during the cow tipping scene, the tractor tipping scene. <laughs> There's I think that's a thing. I think it's, I think it's like the seagull moment in Nemo. Like yeah. you just have to. That's oh, just the God. rule. Yeah. Speaking of cars, in our next episode, we have Cars versus Up. Inside Out versus Alice in Wonderland, Finding Dory versus Bambi, and The Great Mouse Detective versus Aladdin. Are you excited about any of these in particular? Cars versus Up. Yeah. Yeah. Cars versus Up is gonna one. should be good. Yeah, I think that could be my upset. I'm nervous about Finding Dory versus Bambi. Yeah, I still have to watch I, I that again. I haven't watched Bambi in probably 17 years or so. I have a least. lot of headcanon about Bambi. I'll get into that next week. I remember liking The Great Mouse Detective. I loved Aladdin and used to own it in Spanish. You have to tell that story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing. Christmas is coming up. We want to review Christmas movies, but we don't know which one to choose. So we're going to ask you guys to... Go to Facebook, go to Twitter, and tell us which Disney Christmas movie you want us to do. We're thinking Muppet's Christmas Carol or Beauty and the Beast and the Enchanted Christmas. We may do both depending on what our schedules look like, but we want to do at least one of them. We understand that Muppet Christmas Carol is not an animated movie, but it's so near and dear. I think it's it's worthy of consideration. Produced by Disney, so it counts. Yeah. But it's not animated. But it's produced by Disney. It's but it's produced by Disney. And it's and it's the Muppets. And I can quote. I can quote so much of that movie. And like, it's arguably the best Muppet movie. That's not this podcast, though. That's for Muppet Versus. <laughs> yes. That is not this podcast. Oh, challenge. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five star rating. Uh, tell us how we're doing. So that five times. Talk to us on Facebook. We want to hear from you. I'll be posting polls throughout the week so you can tell us what you think is going to win in the next matchup and follow us on Twitter. Thanks. We're back. We will be back for a while. Schedule should be good now. Rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you next episode. (laughs) Bye.